Hello, players who spend hours on character creation only to be killed in session three. And DMs who will spend hours working with a player just for them to play fucking Batman. Welcome back to Table Talk. I'm Maddie Conway. And I'm Robert Lopez. Look at that. She I got, got the it. intro this time. Get it. What are we talking about today? We are talking about character creation. This problem, this one's probably going to be a two-parter just because we still don't have the... Um, the the holy fuck camera uh, camera the videoing equipment uh, just because we want to be able to physically walk you guys through what that character creation looks like on a sheet um, of which there are many of course just just the traditional D and D Wizards of the Coast one that we'll probably use or use one adjacent to that mm-hmm. uh, to walk you guys through but the first part for today we're just going to talk about flavor how, yeah flavor. Um, and also kind of like what races you can choose from, uh, things about classes, backgrounds, how to make your character dynamic, which is a scary word for most oh, first time players. I don't think most people that are in the D and D space that create characters know what that word means. <laughs> no offense to everybody, but like yeah. there are certain people that play the game that are responsible for wizards of the coast, including flaws, mm-hmm. bonds character traits Mm -hmm. on their sheet Mm -hmm. because they know that there are motherfuckers that (laughs) don't know how to role play and we'll do a whole episode about role playing and like things at the table because that is like i feel like my two specialties coming into this are like making characters and also role playing yeah uh because actor brain yeah being a theater kid um character creation is one of my favorite things in the world i'm someone who like I, if there's a game where you get to like make a character and mm-hmm. like design your avatar, yeah, 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 I'm not playing the game. I'm playing Sims with that game. <laughs> I have Sims. fun fact. I have ten thousand mods, over ten thousand mods on my Sims Four game, and my computer screams at me and begs to be put down anytime I try to open. Yeah, she's got like old Yeller for a laptop, dude. I mean, the like, one I'm my on my right car now is and her old. laptop are in like <laughs> a race to see which one croaks first. Oh, the car's going first. Oh, the car's definitely going first, but that's neither here nor there. Yes. So we're going to start with races. Um, at some point, we'll do, like, a at a later episode, we'll talk about kind of, like, some of our favorite character builds, like, mm-hmm. which races really love, why we love them, get into all the sub-races and subclasses, but today yes. is just going to be, like, a high-level overview with, like, yeah. maybe a little bit of, and I really like that sub-race, or I really like that subclass. Next. Yes. So in the player's handbook, there are nine races. Outside of those nine races, there are they have then added 34 official races outside of that. Yep. We're going to cover the nine uh, in the player's handbook for now. I mean, I'll probably like mention my favorite ones from um, outside of the player's handbook, but we're not going to be going into detail about those. Um, but those nine races are going to be kind of the base. Those are going to be the common races. That's where yeah. you're going to find in like just about every universe in most towns. Some, it depends on who your DM is for how common some of these races are. Yeah. And every race has like their own backstory mm-hmm. um, in terms of like where they sit in the current lore and um, canon, I guess you can say. Yeah. And Wizards of the Coast, D&D Beyond, official like setting or settings, plural, like every book is basically a different fucking plane. Mm -hmm. But they're all, like, they all kind of happen simultaneously. Yeah. But, like, on a certain plane in a certain book, Dragonborn might be, like, um, or scaly motherfuckers that we'll talk about first, Dragonborn might be, like, completely extinct or might have been, like, hunted out of the realm because, oh, they're kind of like dragons. and are just not welcome because they're kind of like... Because they look like reptiles. Yeah, they are basically dragon people. They look like a, a yeah. Don't they're, they literally come from? Come yeah, from so like they're fucking a dragon. Yeah, I can I can talk about more. I guess some of the background behind Dragonborn, just because having walked the same person through multiple Dragonborn <laughs> creation like characters, it's you know it's a favorite race. Uh, I'd say it's it's a fan favorite just because it um, well they're dragons. So the whole thing behind Dragonborn is that basically. And anybody that listens to this that knows more than me, I'm sorry. I'm not going to correct myself. Um, they are like the distant, 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 very distant. Like essentially the difference between like apes and people, if you believe in evolution. Um, that's like the difference between dragonborn and straight up dragons. Hmm. 
Um, they've basically, like, after breeding with different races, some magical bullshit, some bloodline crossing, they were diluted to a... Diluted, right? It sounds fucked Jesus up. Jesus Christ. Yes, I realize it sounds fucked up. Uh, they're, like, diluted down to being more, like, humanoid. They're still, like, on average six feet tall, close to 250. Like, it doesn't matter. They're big guys. Yeah, and they also age super quick, so they go from, yeah. like... They're, they're considered, like, full adults by the time they hit 15 oh, and they're teenagers God. when they're three. Yeah, no, it's crazy. They grow I, like, up incredibly fast. I have it fast. up now, and I was just reading that for the first time. Yeah, I... no, they grow up incredibly quick. Um, That's but, insane. So then their main thing is that you can choose an ancestry, right? So I mentioned that, like, they're the, uh, like, ancient, ancient, ancient grand-grand-grand-grand-grandchildren mm-hmm. of, like, original dragons. And so different, like, lineages of dragons, sometimes they're called clans, oh my God, so uh, or villages, have, like, a different ancestral, like, original dragon. Um, and we'll talk more about all the different dragons there are, like, I'm sure we go over, like, a Monsters episode, but basically you get to choose an element that um, your ancestry, like, what main dragon did your guy come from? And then depending on which, like, dragon you choose, it could be gold, it could be bronze, mm-hmm. uh, copper... White, blue, green, red, the list goes on. You get a different um, resistance, so damage resistance, right? Like acid, lightning, Yeah, fire, so if you choose poison. a red dragon, which is the most popular, common mm-hmm. kind of dragon that uh, Wizards of the Coast puts on everything, yeah. because it's it's iconic, you know, for the, uh, for the hobby, you get resistance to fire damage. And that means mm-hmm. that anytime somebody does fire damage to you, you have it. Automatically. Which is really nice if you know that you're going to be fighting something like like mm-hmm. demons or devils. If you're playing or in like a yeah that... like a fire heavy setting or even just a fantasy heavy setting. Yeah, there's always there's always going to be some fucking fire. Yeah, and then you get a breath weapon that comes along with that. That basically means you get to breathe the element that you pick. Mm-hmm. So if you choose blue, blue is lightning. You get lightning breath, and then you get like a different damage that comes with that, and a yeah. different element and that sort of stuff. And it's always nice to have a natural weapon, and to have a natural resistance yeah. as well. Like it, it's pretty nice. Um, you get a bonus to uh, your strength by two and a charisma by one, so that's your kind of like mechanical bonus to yeah. or like yeah, a yeah. Feel for that. And we'll talk about ability scores um, more in the next episode. But yeah. essentially, you have your six categories: wisdom, intelligence, strength. Uh, mm, oh wait, oh, yeah, wisdom, intelligence, strength. Wait, let me get there. Holy fuck, charisma. I was about to say, can I jump in here? Constitution. Yep. Dexterity. Yeah. Yes, there you <laughs> go. Those are your six ability scores. They sound exactly like what they do. Wisdom is how like intuitive you are. Dexterity is how like nimble and fast you are. How quick yeah. you are to maneuver. Strength is just how like raw, Strong like you yeah, are. like how big are your biceps. Uh, constitution is like how hard of a hit you can take. Yeah. Although the funny thing is dexterity is what determines how hard it is for somebody to hit you. Yeah. Not your constitution. Which is so confusing. Silly. And we'll talk about it later, but it's just funny how thick you are is not what determines how hard you get hit. It's a little ridiculous. Uh, intelligence are for things like magic and for some reason I think nature and animal handling. No, nature is wisdom. Animal handling is intelligence, which is Religion and is intelligence. uh, Medicine is wisdom, I think. Yeah, medicine's wisdom. Um, These other things that we're talking about, by the way, those are called skills. So there are skills that fall under each ability tree. Mm Mm-hmm. And those, like, your, those, those skills determine how well, like, what you add when you roll a d20. Yeah, so if you roll an ability check, uh, then you'll add whatever that is to it. And you can get things like proficiency bonuses or just natural bonuses to yeah. certain things, which yeah, we will yeah. go into more detail in, like, the character yeah. episode. You're going to hear that a lot because there are a lot of things sheet. that we don't want to touch until we can physically walk you through it. But yeah, those are just things to keep in mind. Those are kind of what all the stats do. So. Uh, and charisma is also, like... Charisma is just how, how well can you talk... Can yeah. you roll to get out of a situation Deception, by talking to somebody? Deception, persuasion, performance. I refuse Intimidation to play, is also a charisma stat. I refuse to play a low charisma character. And I don't know why, because I'm not charismatic in real life. But like, mm. I will die before I play a low charisma character. A low character. charisma character. So yeah, um, Dragonborn, every one of these races is going to have some kind of a plus to their ability stats right out of the gate. And yeah. that means that whenever you start assigning scores later on the character sheet, you get an automatic bump to those things. Which is very nice because, uh, no, that's getting too much into yep, ca- I was going to get way too much into character That's why I'm just sheet. trying to hit the high level stuff. Next. Next. Dwarves. They're hardy, heavy, and handy. I wrote the description myself. Didn't we have, um, we had one person play, didn't, wasn't one of the... People in the one table. shot, in he the was one a dwarf. shot, yeah. In the one shot, Sam that's was a dwarf. The only dwarf that yep. we've come in contact yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a very traditional fantasy race, but no one has played one yet. Um, besides, like the one shot that we did. 
So dwarves are exactly what I said they were. Uh, they are very thick. They're short. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have same movement speed, maybe slightly less. I'll pull it up on my little laptop here to make sure I'm not uh, telling you some bullshit. Yeah, slightly less, 25 instead of 30. Yeah, so they can move 25 feet in a turn instead of but 30. they never reduce speed by wearing heavy armor. Yeah, so sometimes when you put on heavy things, like it would in real life, it's going to make you a lot slower. Um, and dwarves, because they are so goddamn hardy... They don't care. Their legs are already mm-hmm. stubby and short enough that there's no, like, it, they're not going to be thrown off by that. They armor. get their bonus to constitution, so they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. big boys. Uh, they're usually the, the races that you'll pair with, like, fun, like, tinkerer classes, like mm-hmm. artificer. Um, they, they have a lot of different fun bonuses. They have a couple of their sub races, or their, like, special, I guess, different differentiation is, like, hill versus mountain. So you have a hill dwarf, and you have a mountain dwarf, and then you have what are called Durgar. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the sub-races because we don't really have time for that, but yeah. each sub-race for a particular um, race itself basically comes with a different set of bonuses that get added on or flavor text or background. So when I mentioned the ancestry, like the element you can choose for your Dragonborn, that's a sub-race. That's a sub-race. It yeah. just so happens for Dragonborn, they're, they're a lot more important than they are for other other races, yeah. I would say. Yeah, some of them are a little bit more throwaway, like uh, some of the elf ones. But yeah, we'll get like there a hill versus mountain dwarf might be like, you don't have to suffer whatever, whatever on yeah, mountainous I, terrain. I'll say hill dwarf, you get like a plus one to wisdom. Yep. And your hit point max goes up uh, one every level. And then the mountain dwarf strength goes, oh, strength goes up by two. Yep. And proficiency with light and medium armor. Yeah, so your sub races do end up making a lot of difference. Um in the long run, just for the sake of keeping this episode to a decent time, we're not going <laughs> to hit on all of them because yeah. some of these races have a lot. Oh, yeah. That's why I skipped over Dragonborn. There are yeah, like nine Dragonborn, or ten. Tiefling, Elves, there's a hundred of them. I don't even think I put Tieflings on here. I've got Tieflings. Oh, sick. Okay. We have paper. We have our computers and yeah, laptops. we have notes because this is a research-heavy yeah. episode. But yeah, um, dwarves are your, your tanky little uh, Lord of the Rings mountain boys. They, uh, they, they can take a hit. They come with a proficiency in uh, one of your choice of tools. So that goes into the, like that tinkering thing. Yep. Um, you get advantage on saving throws against poison. Um, mm-hmm. You get proficiency with um, like any axes or hammers. Yep, yep. It looks like, uh, which is pretty nice to get as just like a standard yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also in like that traditional fantasy. They used to have like vast kingdoms and were on top of the world, and then some magic bullshit went wrong, and now they're scattered throughout the lands and various villages. Like, generally, that's the kind of vibe you're gonna get in a fantasy universe with the dwarves. Yeah, they're like they're always put in this like used to be the absolute pinnacle of civilization and then something stupid happened and yeah. now they're scattered which happens just so many races yeah, it and does in a lot of different settings like it really just depends on what plane or setting you're in and they're like yeah. yeah well actually this race got nuked oh yeah and there's some that are a lot more common in other places than others like yeah. um coming up to our our next race uh mm-hmm. elves um, everywhere we in uh we played some uh, in Eberron and in damn, the city like that roaches, we were playing man. in, elves were like the minority, which is mm-hmm. really odd. Yeah, um, humans were the like the norm. Yeah, on top. So I love playing elves. Yeah, uh, mostly so because you, so you want to talk get, about elves. Yes. Um, so elves are exactly kind of what you're thinking of. Like they're normally like slender and taller, and they look like really yeah. they look like whatever you want them to look like. But like the motherfucker from. Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Legolas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the, that the kind tall, of thing. It's all like bleach blonde hair, pretty, yeah. can jump on rocks midair. Yeah, I mean, they get plus two to dex, so uh-huh. they can jump and do the bullshit. They're also annoying and they never have to sleep. Yes. They, instead of, so every character has to take like long rests and everything and Short like, rest, you know, sleep, yeah. eat, breathe. Um, elves, instead of sleeping, um, they, they meditate for four hours and mm-hmm. that is equal to a long rest from them. Yep. Um, so they could technically do a long rest and then while the rest of the party is resting, they would have like four hours They'd of They'd have downtime. like an extra couple of hours to go and then this will be a mechanic when we start talking about just like playing in a campaign but um when you don't sleep for reference why that's beneficial mm-hmm. you start to suffer points of exhaustion past i think 24 hours yeah um it's really it really depends on your dm like some dms are going to be hardline uh we've hit 23 hours and 59 minutes if you guys don't sleep right now point of exhaustion other people are going to be like well you guys had coffee in the morning you're, you're okay yeah there's adrenaline in your system 
Uh, but what a what a point of exhaustion does is for every point of exhaustion, you start to suffer some serious disadvantages. I think there's like five levels. Three, I think. Three. Yeah, yeah, you don't get that many. So like, oh. I think at level one, you start getting disadvantage on certain checks. At level two, I think your movement speed is halved, and you keep the disadvantages. And then I think when you hit three levels, you just die. Yeah. Yeah, you just that's you die. Crazy. You hit death saving throws. So that's why the not having to sleep slash sleeping very uh, a lot shorter than other people. Is beneficial. Yeah. Because sometimes also, sleep is a, is a place, a big thing, you know? Yeah. It's also kind of a fun role play moment because it was always a thing of like when our party was resting. Um, I, I've played. People always role played in like a fucking edgy way. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to just meditate with my eyes open and stare at the door and make sure no monsters try to jump us in the middle of the night. See, that's the polite way to do it. Mine was more like, I'm so just going to wander. Um, another thing about elves that I really like, um, their age. So they can age up to about like. 750 years old as long as they're like in their like yeah home mm-hmm. um yeah so elves like a lot of other races have home planes or home realms it just kind of depends and elves when they are living actively on their home plane or home realm do not it, yeah yeah they don't age they're effectively immortal yeah if they're in their home world they're immortal outside of their home world they still age slowly yeah very slowly they reach like adulthood around the age of 100 and they live to be about 750 yeah when they're outside of their home that world. annoying ass stereotype you always see in the shows and it's like oh you're like a kid and they're like yeah i am i'm like 160 years old and everybody in the party like their mouth drops and go you're 160 years old Grow the fuck up, bro. No one does that at the table, by the way, when you're like no. playing a young character and you're yeah, like, no I'm actually shit. hundreds of years old. Yeah, when you like play a, like an edgy vampire and they're like, wow, you look like a kid. How old are you? And you're like, I'm 670. And they're, they're like, like, cool. Cool beans, bro. Yeah, like no one cares. Yep, I can kill people just the same as you. Yeah. Um, also, they get uh, fate ancestry, which you get advantage on saving throws against being charmed and magic can't put you to sleep. That shit, when it comes in clutch comes in clutch mm-hmm, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing with stupid magical bullshit bad guys yeah yeah i have beef with that one very nice you also get a uh, proficiency in perception and there's a ton of different sub races for elves there's high elves um which are like the hoity-toity the 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 ones you think of they're the very uppity ones um they get like a plus two intelligence and then they get like a cantrip um and then there's also dark elves Mm-hmm. Uh, which I there's like almost always going to be an inherently more evil sub race yeah. or sub sub race like the Duergar that I briefly mentioned for dwarves. Those are the faction or I guess the sub race of dwarves that like to live under like the regular fucking people. Yeah. In uh, in a place called the what is it, the Underdark, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, it was in the D and D movie. If you saw that, it's when they went like down and there were the mind flares and the dragons. So those edgy motherfuckers like to live yeah. there, and they're, say they're inherently literally, evil. Yeah, for fun. In the book, they're described as having black skin. Yeah. Um. And like, then like certain dragonborn ancestries. Like obsidian black. Yeah, same thing. Some some dragonborn ancestries are like naturally more inclined to be evil. Yeah, which like it's twenty twenty three. They just wanted to provide all of you edge lords with the opportunity to play a thoroughly edgy character, yeah. or to be like, I'm a dark elf and I'm misunderstood. Yeah, and then the other main sub race for elves is is a wood elf, which is like it, it's a ranger. Yep, you like the woods. It's, it's pretty much too. like you're that gonna be a ranger. A There's sea elves, but sea elves are classified. As an entirely different race, which doesn't make any sense to me, but there's also yeah, a bunch of other ones. Depending on the app or the website you're looking at, they all get split up differently. Yeah. Gnomes. I'll no one honest, at our table I, has I, ever played a gnome. I, I've never played with a gnome. I didn't even know a gnome. And like, I've read the player's handbook mm. many times. Yeah. I guess I just blanked on the fact that like gnomes were in the player's handbook. I assumed they were an add on. Nope. Um, yeah, but so looking at them, they like they're basically just the skinnier nice. version of dwarves. They're yeah. around the same height, if not a little shorter. They weigh significantly less. Oh. They're like if dwarves, Jesus, they're tiny. If dwarves are like slow and stout and heavy, gnomes are like fast and light and quick with e- with an even significant height difference. Um, two dwarves. Dwarves yeah. are like four feet, maybe four and a half. Gnomes are like two and a half, three feet. Yeah. Idi- and then it's Pixies, his- which we don't talk about, but is a playable race. Oh, gnomes yeah. Like a foot tall. Yeah. I, I, yeah, gnomes middle it I out. I love fairies. Gnomes middle it out. Uh, it says they weigh about 40 pounds, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. a toddler. This is the size of a toddler. Yep. Um, they're always happy. That's a fun That's a fun thing about them. So like yeah. gnomes in, in like the traditional D&D universe 
follow that like stereotype where they're like always happy and celebrating. Like if anybody's, oh my god, what like, was these it? These are the fuckers that are living in the tree, oh, in the in the tree. Baking yeah, what cookies. was that one movie? It was literally about singing gnomes, I think. Or are they? I don't know what the trolls? fuck they are. Trolls. That's what it is. That's a different. Aren't they thing. called gnomes though? No, they're trolls. I th- okay, right? They like, are trolls. No, I was there thinking are, that they are trolls. There are. There are. I think there are gnomes in that universe. Yeah, or whatever the bad guys were. I watched yeah, yeah, yeah. Trolls so many times I should know I've this. I watched it too many times. But anyways, the only reason I bring that up, like the demeanor that the little, the actual trolls in the Trolls movie have, like the happy-go-lucky singing all the time, yeah, living in nice. harmony, that that's a no. They're yeah. just happy all the time. Uh, they've got advantage on it, all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against which is magic, which nuts. is crazy. Crazy. They're the ones that live, these are the ones that like would be your traditional, when you think of like a hobbit, this yeah. is like, they're the ones that burrow in a hill, have like nice a, little homes. Yeah. Um, which you would think would be the halfling. Yeah, I was going to say. But gnomes have halfling. more of that like in canon description of yeah, being that kind of way. Live up to 350 years on average, so they're also old. And then it looks like there's forest, rock. Forest and rock is the like the main two subclasses. Yep. Um, which I'm assuming are exactly what they sound like. Oh, yeah. there's a clockwork toy one, like yeah. a little toy maker. Mm-hmm. That's yep. really cute. Yeah. Uh, it's also incredibly rare for them to be evil or to be like um, like malintent or hostile. They're just like a happy race of people. So like when you think of your traditional elf, which is like nose up, mm-hmm. uh, or like Snooty. a door door. Yeah, snooty. Gnomes are like very much the opposite in that everything is great. Everybody's a wonderful person. They're naturally curious and outgoing. So like if you're looking for a reason for your character, like a motivation, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, like why is my character out trying to kill bands of orcs for money? Well, for a gnome, they wanted to see the world. They wanted to travel. Maybe they wanted to know what the inside of an orc looked like and didn't know it was going to be that fucked up until they got there. Maybe they didn't. It's still fun. Yeah. So if you're just looking to play a race that doesn't give a fuck about anything and is just happy to be there. Gnomes. Gnomes. Uh, next up is we're getting into the half races. Uh, half elves. They are half elf and half something else. Most people use humans, but genuinely. Why elves and half elves exist? It annoys the absolute shit out of me. It I is... understand the benefits, and she'll talk about them here in a second. Yeah. But before no, we even get into the benefits. I hate that elves and half-elves are a thing, but you can't just play a straight-up orc. You can only play a half-orc. Well, they have it, but it's classified. It's like one of the add-ons, but they had like half-orc as an option in the player's handbook, and they yeah. didn't come out with the option to play an orc until much later, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. fucking stupid, in my opinion. Yep. Another thing to, to quickly note, just because we haven't brought this up, um, there are, some of these races have something called dark vision, and basically oh, yeah. what that means is that you can see in the dark. Um, normally what comes along with dark vision is that you cannot discern colors, so everything is like kind of like in a, a grayscale. Uh, but like gnomes have dark vision. I think some most elves have dark vision, All right? All elves have dark vision. All elves have dark vision. Fairy bullshit. I don't know if dwarves do. I don't think dragonborn do. Dwarves do. But that's another I don't know about yeah. That's another thing that like some races will come with is your vision, and all that means is like if um, if you're in a dark area, normally your uh, your vision is halved. So like if you're in a pitch black dark cave, your vision for a normal character might be reduced to fifteen or exactly thirty feet, which means it's something that's thirty five feet away from you you cannot see, which can be scary. Dark vision, on the other hand, means that you can see pretty much everything around you. You just can't tell colors. Yeah, which sounds super helpful. However. Because most races have dark vision, you just have to write around it as a DM. Of the time it doesn't matter because, nope. like, you're he's like you're in a dark room and everyone's like we have dark vision. And it's like, well, fuck me, I guess. Um, that's when you just start getting you get you give everything that you put in a room that's a trap or a creature. You make it roll for stealth, and then if it doesn't pass, you put it behind a rock or in a closet. Yeah, can't see through things, motherfucker. Yeah. I will say they can't see through magical darkness. Magical darkness is a whole another. Oh yeah, that's a, that's another scary thing. thing. So if you think you could see in the dark, just wait till somebody casts darkness and then you're blind. Yeah, that shit. Which is so stupid. Anyways, half elves. Uh, half elves. Um, you ever wanted to be one half of something and then another yeah, half of I'll another say, thing? Most people just consider it half elf, half human, but it could be half elf, half dragon born it could be half elf half you can just pull some of the you basically get to look like an elf and then pull the pull a bonus from a different class your ears are just a little bit smaller than an elves um they rate it says they age more similar to humans reaching adulthood at like 20 uh, but they live to about 180 
Uh, they're the size of humans. You still have dark vision. You still have the the saving throws against being charmed and like magic can't put you to sleep. You mm-hmm. do have to mm-hmm. sleep, uh, but you get a boost to charisma. And I will say the ability scores are nice because you get a plus two to charisma and then two other ability scores increase by one, which isn't nothing. Um, and then you also get to choose depending on like what half of elf you are, some other like things like you can choose swim speed if you're half sea elf mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um a cantrip if you're like high elf or something like that but it's pretty standard uh the bonuses are really good it's one of your safer classes like yeah. if you just want to like middle it out a half elf is a pretty like standard option like for if a you're intimidated by the idea of like playing something that's like mm-hmm. very fantasy if you don't want to take the bitch like, way out of it and just be a human and get a plus one to everything because yeah. i don't like to think about my characters you can play a half elf where you can choose like, your bonuses and still yeah. also be really broken yeah it, it, it's just like slightly pointy ears and you sleep it's a safety net um it's not bad it's nice it's fun it's kind of boring yeah um i don't know if half elf is anybody's favorite race like why not just I know it's popular, but like but I don't why not think just anyone... pick the other race as your favorite. Like if your yeah. favorite combination is like half elf and dragonborn, just play a fucking dragonborn. Yeah, because you don't you only and the thing about half elves that gets me is like you only get bonuses for your elf part. So if you're mm-hmm. half elf, half dragonborn, you're not getting a breath weapon. Nope. You're just getting um for get like the general half elf either. thing, you get like proficiency in two things. Yep. So just choose just choose the, other race. Just or choose the other race. Or talk to your DM and be like, hey, I want to be half elf, half dragonborn, but I would like and to I use still get a dragonborn weapon? stats instead. Yeah. And most, most DMs would be like, yeah, cool, that's fine. You'll just get to use it less or some bullshit like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, or like it does half damage. Speaking about half things, half orcs. Yep. Yeah, we went on a tangent already, but like, again, in the original nine races, they didn't do just a straight up orc. They did a half orc. And their reasoning for that is regular orcs are too evil by nature and too stupid and too not mainstream. So yeah. how are we going to let players make an orc? Well, We're that means dilute that an orc it. fucked somebody. We're going like, to dilute it. a human woman yeah. or yeah. a human or vice versa. person who gives birth. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, I guess not human. doesn't have yeah. to be So human, half but... orcs are also uh, a, a common thing that you'll find in lore is that they are shit on by both of their parent <laughs> races. So half orcs are notoriously disliked by both humans and orcs. Uh, right? The whole orc thing in, like, the D&D space is, like, if you're not purebred, if you're not big, strong, and stupid like us and helping the clan and fighting in our wars... Then get fucked. Get fucked. And then humans are like, you... Don't look like me. You look scary. Humans are racist in most settings, including this one. <laughs> like, yeah. truly, they you can't really escape it. I mean, a lot of DMs yeah. won't roleplay it in, but, like, canon, humans don't like a lot of people. I mean, yeah, it's it's in the player's handbook about the relationships between different races, and it's like, yeah. these races have beef with each other. They even put yeah, in that, like, just some live races, like, like, straight up eat each other, mm-hmm. which, honestly, it's 2023. Cannibalism. You don't need, you don't need to have fantasy racism like we already deal with that shit in real life and in the real world it doesn't need to leak into your DD game in my opinion that's mm-hmm. how i feel unless you were like actively doing a story point where yeah. you're like making a bigger message yeah 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 and every player is comfortable with it man orcs uh, if you have access to just like the straight up orc race i don't know what the difference is on book between the orc and the half orc real quick but to my knowledge there's not that much of a difference like I've had somebody play a half orc before, and we just role played it as a regular orc because why would you be half of anything else? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but their strength score is up by two, and their con is up by one. So yeah, a lot of it is the same. Yeah, I say half orcs oh. they get a little old. They get older a little faster than humans, um, but they also don't live that much longer. Ooh, they what? tap out of seventy-five. Humans tap out at. Uh, later than that but we'll get there when we get to humans. yeah they're usually a little larger and like a little bulkier than humans as well yeah uh base speed of walking is 30 they have dark vision thanks to the fact that they're orcs because who doesn't have dark vision humans yep. that's just uh, about it they're proficient when intimidating people which means that whenever you roll to intimidate somebody you're going to add your charisma modifier plus mm. your proficiency bonus which is nice yep it just means you get a bigger number whenever you try and intimidate somebody which how fucked up is that to assign an intimidation <laughs> bonus to an orc like, yeah. I, I get it, 
But is that not like? No, it's you look scary. Yeah, it's. It has nothing to do with their personality and everything about the fact like, that they look like an orc. If a half orc is like intimidating, a fucking like dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No thanks. They don't care. You look the same. Yeah. You look the same. You are yeah. a meal either way. Doesn't matter what shape your ears are or what or what color your skin is. You're getting yeah. eaten. You know. Yeah. Um, they also... The one was endur- endurance yep. and stuff. They get nice. to drop to one hit point instead of zero the first time it happens. Um, so that means, like, if somebody... Say you're at five hit points, somebody hits you for 20, you drop to zero, and then if you haven't done it yet, you get to pop back up to one without having to go unconscious or any of that bullshit. But mm-hmm. you can't do it again until you do a long rest. Yeah. Uh, savage attacks, when you score a critical hit with a melee weapon, uh, you can roll one of the damage dice and add it um, to the hit. Yep. So free damage. Uh, if you want, like, we'll get into like attacks and all that mm-hmm. in later episodes. So we'll explain the mechanics of it. But that's not bad. Um, I don't even want to talk about languages. Can we ignore languages <laughs> for now? Because they're fucking pointless when it comes to ninety-five percent of campaigns yeah. you play on. If you're a DM who uses languages, that is great. That's awesome. We don't play at a table where we really use languages. No, like there's there are fun ways to insert languages where it's like. I don't know. I, I used it a couple times, um, but it it just got to a point where it it felt needless to do yeah. it, right? Like, I think it's a lot more fun to to do uh, a character's ability or a PC's ability to read and write a certain language rather than speak it, right? Because yeah. it's like you can say, "Oh, you find this ancient tome that's really important to the campaign, but it's written in a language you don't understand." Yeah, and then you can do like a fun like Cthulhu mindfuck thing where it's like, try to read it. Roll a constitution saving throw. You've done that so many times. I did it a lot in the, in the first campaign. Um, but, like, you failed magic, or not magic, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Merry Christmas! 50 points of damage! It breaks your mind. You know, so like, fun. that's fun, but, like, when it comes to just speaking, meh. Unless you're yeah. playing in a world or a setting like Crown of Candy where language is, like, really a differentiating factor between races. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. There are also so many of them. How are you supposed to choose? Yeah, there's there's Which we're, quite a few. After we talk about uh, races and, and classes and all that, we'll talk a little bit about like how, how important it is to make your character with your DM. Yes. Specifically to understand the setting. And languages, picking a language is a lot easier when you know what languages to expect. Yeah. I... Like, there's no reason for you to choose, um, uh, like, Thieves Cant and yeah. Common, and then also, like, uh, what is it, Draconic, Demonic, shit like that, Abyssal. Yeah. If you're playing in a campaign set in an elven city. Yeah. Like, just, you know, just, but if you don't talk to your DM, you don't know that. Yeah. Um, next up is halflings. The hobbits. Uh, yeah, they're very much hobbit vibes. They're also um, another little class. They're about the same size as gnomes. They're like three feet tall, 40 pounds. They're like a weird love child of like dwarves, gnomes, and humans. Yeah. They kind of do it all. Um, They're one of the most, if not the most common race, I want to say, in the D&D setting. Halflings and humans, I think, are are pretty up there. Yeah, I'll say their big ability that, like, makes them one of the top picks for a lot of people is the lucky feature, Mm -hmm. which is if you roll a one on an attack roll, ability check, or saving roll, if you ever roll, like, a nat one, you get to re-roll it, which... You have to keep the roll, though. Yeah, Can't but, I mean, rolling two nat ones in a row, which has happened at it our has table happened, actually. more than once. Happened more than you think it would. But that is such a great thing because that can keep you from straight up dying. If you roll a nat one at the wrong time, mm-hmm. you're dead, yep. like straight up. And yeah. Like, I know what I'm doing, death saving throws. I think the way, it might be the way you're supposed to do it. It might just be the way that most teams do it. Like, if you're dying, um, uh, we haven't talked about death saving throws. If you get hit zero hit points, you go into death saving throws. Yes. If you're not automatically killed, what that means is that you have uh, three chances, potentially as many as six, to uh, survive. Um, so you need to roll a d20. You might get a plus to this. You might not. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. the DC is, it's what is it, like 10 and, is it nine and below or 10 and below you fail? 10 and below you Fail. Yeah, so if you roll a 10 or below on that d20, regardless of bonuses, whatever, whatever, um, you get a, a failed saving throw. And if you roll above a 10, congratulations, you're one step closer to stabilizing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're talking about like death saving throws, um, dying, it can be... <laughs> It can be pretty nice to not have to go into that down state. But like talking about natural ones, if you're rolling yeah. natural one on death saving throws... Some people play that as you've died, 
you don't get to roll anymore. Other people role play it, or other people play it as if you hit a natural one. That's two. That's two minuses yeah. instead of one. Whereas a natural twenty is two positives. Yeah. So that that that's kind of a time that maybe or you don't want to take a nat one. You just go. Can I roll a nat twenty and just come back to life? And then you and do, then come back to life. And then you change the entire religion of a world. This is why you don't make deals <laughs> with uh, your players. DMs don't do it. If they ask if they can roll a nat twenty and do it, don't say yes because it's going to happen. I'm waiting for the day that happens. Or do it and it's fun, I guess. I'm just not <laughs> a fan of that, you know? I think it can be fun. It can be fun in the right moment, but then there are also other times where it's a big story moment and it's like, hey man, can I just fuck up this really cool combat encounter you've done for us where there are real consequences yeah, if I, I roll I a natural like 20? picking and choosing. I remember there I Like was... the way Allie Beardsley did it was yeah. like, I create God and come back to life. Well, that wasn't like... Or that happens later, but yeah. she comes back to life, whatever. Spoiler, yeah. I guess. She well, I mean, a... she was also already stabilized. Right. And then just came back because she needed to come back. Yeah. I mean. And that was it. And it was a cool moment. It was super awesome. Um, but yeah, everything about halflings kind of, like, you get advantage on, like, saving throws against being frightened. They're um, kind, you can they're move, curious, they're nice. You can move through the space of any creature that is a, of a size larger than you, which is going to be just about every single one of them, which yep. isn't bad because that's going to help I you think in combat. small or medium? They're small. Oh yeah, so there are also sizes like to every 40 race. Pounds. Small. Um, so when you're when you're talking about grids, really the only time small, medium, large uh, apply. Also, certain spells only work depending on the sizes of the things that you're trying to move. Yeah. Some races are small, which means they take up basically less than, like when you're moving it on a grid, small still takes up five, like a, a five by five block, but it means that you get to move in and out of certain spaces a lot easier. It means that you're lighter. Uh, sometimes it means you're like hard to catch, but really large creatures. Yeah. If you're a medium, you're normal size, you're a human, you're like five or human foot. Adjacent. Yeah. Or humanoid, I think is the better term, right? Yeah. Because I mean, there are terms of like, like a human. there's humanoid, there's fey, there's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Generally speaking, medium, you're like kind of a, an average build of what you would think like a human would be. So somewhere yeah. between like a five foot nothing and 120 pounds to like six foot five, 250 pounds. Yeah. You're somewhere in that range. Um, which means most of everything that you interact with is going to apply to you. And then there was large. Is there, is there even a race where you get to be large? Uh, is there I, a playable race? I think so. I think some of the monstrous races, are, I think orcs might be. I'm going to look. Yeah, I know um, elef- the elephant, whatever they're called, like the elephant. Oh, or yeah. Like that. Yeah, those are, they're, they're large. Uh, the tortles are large. They're large? I'm pretty sure they are. Damn. Yeah. But I don't think any of the traditional races are large. No. I think they all cap out at medium. But yeah, yeah. there are sizes to things. Halflings are small. Yeah. Uh, the ones for the like sub races for them are like Lightfoot or Stout, which is um, literally like the build. Lightfoots are going to be tinier. Mm-hmm. Um, stout are going to be a little bit more like... A little thick. Yeah. A little meat on a bone. Yeah. <laughs> they look a little bit less like a toddler. Yep, yep. Then our humans... Um, they're humans. They're humans. We can go to the next thing. Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode. If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at Crescent Magazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. <laughs> you, uh, the benefits of playing a human is that your ability score, all of them, increase by one. Yeah, um, so it's it's a nice way out of like, eh, well, I've rolled. If you roll for your ability scores instead of doing point by, which we'll talk about in character sheet, but let's just say you have really shit ability scores to to place. Cool. I want to be a human. I don't really want to have to worry about the fact that I have like six tens across the board. Yeah, but that know? but that's like literally it. I mean, you can do a variant human, which basically means that you get like a feat. Yeah. At Level one, humans which are, is nice. Humans are the most customizable. I guess what I'll give them, they're the most customizable race in terms of the benefits and the and the, the, the sort of the downfalls that you can take with them. Yeah. They're like, their description they're in vanilla. is that like they're if the you most. you have all of these ice cream flavors, they're the vanilla. Yeah. And they're like the most adaptable and the most ambitious and like the most different. I mean, hopefully if you're listening to the podcast, you know what a human looks like. You also <laughs> know how diverse humans can be. Yes. And so that's the benefit. You can essentially be any, any one out of the several billion people that exist on this earth and also many that don't. Yeah. So you can be anything you want. Next up is Tiefling, which is a lot of people's favorite. Uh, yep, yep. Tiefling, the, 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 the edgy little motherfuckers. Um, Tieflings. Are, they yeah, are I basically forgot about Tieflings. The, 
you ever wanted to play somebody the, with horns. Yeah, they're the bloodline of like they have some type of um it's devils, devil. right? Yeah. I was gonna say I'm there's a big differentiation. There's a difference between devils and demons. Mm-hmm. So really quick, devils are generally seen as more intelligent. They have like a hierarchy when it comes to their like social structure and power structure. And demons are the opposite. They're chaotic, they fight each other, they yeah. eat each other, they're the ones that speak abyssal. Um, they live like on a completely different plane, wholly separate. Most characters, creatures, whatever the fuck you encounter are going to be devils, not demons. Demons are not that common. Yeah. Um, tieflings are, it, they, they're humanoid looking, but they've got like horns yeah. and tails. And just, no matter what anyone says, your tiefling can be any fucking color you want. Mine Make was purple. A pink I played tiefling. a purple one. Shit was I cool as fuck. would love to play a pink tiefling. I played an albino tiefling. I played one my shot. first campaign. I don't know if this was legal. I played a half tiefling, half ASMR, which ASMR is not in the original set of races. It's one of my favorite, though. You basically just get to play like an angel, like angel descendant kind of thing. And I played like a half tiefling, half angel to have like that dynamic. Uh, and that was pretty cool. But yeah, tieflings are uh, their ancestry in terms of how they've gotten to the way they are is very similar to Dragonborn. Mm-hmm. Dragonborn is more of a biological dilution. Uh, and tieflings are oftentimes more of a magical offspring of something because devils... somebody. Yeah, because devils typically cannot produce more of anything that doesn't look like them. Yeah, and some of it's like a thing where they'll be like, oh, well, the, the magical blood can lay dormant, so like maybe both yeah. of your parents were human, but then you came out and you started growing horns. Yep. Like, yeah, big, so like dragonborn, half-orcs, half-elves, all of those are very blood-related. Tiefling yeah. is the more like magical, I'm a mix of different things, yeah. and there's a little sprinkle of devil magic yeah. in there somewhere. Like it could be like your mom made a deal with the devil and mm-hmm. you came out like that. Yep. So it doesn't always have came to be. Came out with thing, horns but... and a tail and scales and all this other yeah. dumb shit. Wizards has written in that like most people are like that people are racist to tieflings that people are distrusting of them yeah, because they are devils yeah you know? devils. nobody in any D slash like wizards of the coast setting likes devils why would you i mean yeah. unless you're like a cult or a warlock or some shit but like if you're devil associated no one likes you yeah. you bring the bad news and tieflings have the disadvantage of being descendants of devils in some way yeah. um but yeah uh, about the same size as humans. Uh, they get dark vision. They get hellish resistance, so the, uh, resistance to fire damage. Um, and then depending on, a lot like Dragonborn, depending on what their bloodline is, you're going to get like your real benefits, which are oftentimes, I, it's going to be a cantrip of some kind. Yep. And then um, once you reach third level, you can cast a spell as a second level spell slot once uh, mm-hmm. per day. Mm-hmm. And then I think mm-hmm. it bonuses as you go up. And then you also get a plus to something. So tieflings are fun. They're very customizable also. Um, but that's, a, it's also a very, like, classic D&D race. Yeah, but those are, like, all of the, uh, for those of you that have played or seen anything about Baldur's Gate 3, um, the hot tiefling <laughs> woman that everybody is having rampant sex with. Yeah. Whose name escapes me right now. Starts with a K. Yeah, something. Um, she's a tiefling. She's, yeah. like, she's on, she's in Magic the Gathering as a, as a fucking creature. She's in their official canon. She's a very popular, well-known textbook example of a tiefling. Yeah. Um, real and you can watch your character have sex with her if you'd like to do that Baldur's in Baldur's Gate, Gate 3. Is wild. You can I... also fuck a vampire and a bear. Yeah, I'm waiting on getting that game because I know I'm going to so sucked into it. I refuse to pick it up on the principle that I'm already in two campaigns. I do not have the time or mental energy to play another campaign by myself or with other people. One of my friends uh, that we live with, one of our roommates, Elijah, um, was like, yeah, you could get it and then just like play with other people because it's co-op. I don't care, motherfucker. It's still going to take me hours to make my character and I'm going to be paralyzed with decision. Yeah, I'm going to spend the whole time. I, I'm just going to make characters over and over, but that's yeah. my favorite part. Not going to do it. Um, But some of the exotic races, I, this is an even briefer overview because I just wanted to like shout out some of my favorites. Uh, there are 34 official yeah. races, by the way, in addition to the traditional nine. Yeah. Not uh, including sub-races. I really like Reborn. They're basically like Frankenstein's monster or like someone who has died and like come back to life in some way. They don't have to eat, sleep, breathe, um, They are any some of, that. of the most annoying fucking PCs I have had to deal with at a table. She's got her mouth open. She's Because she played a Reborn in our one shot and she was great. However, comma, 
the not needing to function like <laughs> every other fucking character in the setting is infuriating as a DM. It's like everyone why was are you? And I was just chilling. Yeah, it's like why are you even fucking here? Well, I had a like in I she had a reason. She was brought back to life for a reason. But yeah. the other one that's really reborn, nice. basically dying, come back on some bullshit. Don't they usually don't remember anything about their previous life? Yeah, and and then they just get to be broken as a race. Yeah. Oh, deathless nature is you. So you basically escape death. You get advantage on saving throws against disease and poison, resistance to poison damage, um, advantage on death saving throws, which is amazing. When I was playing a reborn character, I was sitting at which one hit annoying. point for like. More than half of the the of the yeah, one shot, and I just kept killing myself because I knew that I could roll out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to eat, drink, or breathe, and you don't need to sleep. Magic can't put you to sleep, and you can finish a long Magic rest in four hours. Sleep. That's fucking um, ridiculous. I mean, it's the same way with elves. Yeah, it, that also is stupid. I don't know. I think it's just as a DM that likes to do fun things to their players when a race perk that is unimportant suddenly just gets thrown in my face. Hey, actually, I can't be put to sleep by magical. Get fucked, man. Get fucked. Eat rocks. Leave the table. This is a conversation that Robert has had at the table. This is like real dialogue of like, get fucked. It's infuriating. You also get something called knowledge from a past life where you basically get like a glimpse from your past life and you make an ability check and you can roll a d6. Yeah, so you you could be like, your backstory is tied to something key to the campaign because I like to do things like that as a DM. And then they just get to roll to remember it. Yeah, sorry. I've been I've had amnesia for 70 years of my reborn life. Oh, they're also immortal. And uh, in this instance, I'm going to remember the one key fucking fact that's holding the whole thing together. Yeah. No. No you they're don't. They're very broken, and that's why they're not a typical race that you can just like play all the time. I was no. and I did not I was playing a balanced character because she was shit at literally everything else. Yeah, Reborn, Warforge, uh, which also, I think Warforge is single-handedly the most, in my opinion, the most broken race that you can play as in D&D, period, point blank, end of story. Warforge have benefits and advantages and ability score improvements like a motherfucker. Like, think about... All of the advantages that we've talked about that come with every other race, with the exception of the Dragonborn, and then assign that to a fucking race that has and does it all. They're big robots. They're robots. And they don't even have to be big robots. Their speed can be anything you want it to be. Wait, um, what? Or not speed, sorry. Their size, generally speaking, people will play them all different sizes. Traditionally, they're medium, but I don't know a single person that's played at Warforge and had their weight be equivalent to five foot even. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're always like seven foot, just under the eight foot thing to be uh, large and then 500 pounds. Um, They don't have to take a long rest. They get to do the same shit that elves get to do, but better. They can put themselves in a... six hours. Yeah, but they get to be awake um, and and present and coherent the whole fucking time. It's called sentry's rest. You basically put yourself in rest mode but your eyes get to stay open the whole time. That's nice. Doesn't make you unconscious. You can hear and see everything as normal. Um, you have a natural resistance to any number of fucking things. You have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned. Resistance to all poison damage. You don't need to eat, drink, or uh, breathe. You are immune to all disease. You don't need to sleep. Magic cannot put you to sleep. Your body uh, has a built-in, basically, AC, which is stupid, uh, you gain a plus one bonus to all of your armor class. It does not matter what you're wearing. You it, it is more difficult in that any armor you wear as a Warforge, you have to, like, bolt into yourself. Yeah. Boo-hoo. You had to spend one long rest, one downtime, putting on a suit of armor that's you taking have your to AC. You're, like, attuning to things anyway. Exactly. So. You already, Now you've just made yourself better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you it's get... It's also one of those things that these are, like, setting-specific races. So, like, that one was from Eberron. Reborn yeah. was Raven. Anyways, Law. I have beef with Warforged. Um, it is what it is. They're broken. A I, lot of people legit. like to min-max with them. Beef. You basically just get to say no to everything your DM would like you to roll or do or suffer from. Yeah. 
There's uh, Eric Cochran, Bird People. Yeah, you can Sh- fly. D&D movie. Um, I think is what is his name? Gerald or Gerard or some shit. Jonathan. Like... Yeah. Which definitely. Jonathan. 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 Which is definitely a name that like that was a they fucking were like hilarious okay moment, so by the way. what's his name? Jonathan. Yep. What was that? Yeah, they're birds. I said what I said. They're bird people. Uh, they can fly. So if you want to fly, there you go. ASMR, like I mentioned earlier, they're angels. They're like what tieflings are to devils. ASMR are to angels. Mm-hmm. So they're like the descendants magically, most often, of some sort of deity or angelic race. Uh, you have fairies, which you talk about. Fairies and pixies are kind of interchangeable. They're small. They're tiny. They, they don't have a do lot things. of race bonuses, but you can fly. Yeah. Um, you're if you're picking tiny. a race that can fly, expect to have significantly less benefits than other races because being able to just fly as a as a character trait is is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, there's El- Eldrin, which are basically uh, like elves. Are. They're like elves from the Feywild, oh. uh, which is where like fairies and shit are from. Fairies, satyrs, uh, a lot of like what you think in traditional like Greek mythology. A lot yeah, of like those things come creatures. from the Feywild. Um, but Eldrin are basically elves. They, they're but they're like seasons. So there's like autumn, winter, spring, and yeah. summer, and they each have an emotion it's tied cute. to it. So you it's can like change funny. your and you get a, like a bonus for each of those things that changes like when you change like as an option, like as an yeah. action, you can switch your um thing. It's it's just a funky little race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janazi are like elemental people. There's air, earth, fire, water. You're like made of those elements. Yep. Um, Goliaths are a very classic, like D and D. Yeah, Goliath, uh, Goliaths are basically um, they're they're really big. They're truly, it's kind of hard to describe them. They're basically they're like, they remind me of orcs. They're like if orcs and dwarves had a love child in terms of like the hardiness. Um, they're really tall. They're usually lean. They live very passive lives. They're a very popular option for any fighter, uh, yeah. any fighting or druid based class. Uh, they're usually very kind, uh, very like kind of neutral mannered and natured. Uh, they're not big conversationalists. They travel in clans. And they're just they're kind of an oddball when you're trying to compare them to a different race. They're unique, mm-hmm. but also a lot of their benefits are basically just grabs from other races. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they just kind of roll it into a into a bigger looking. Oh, 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 oh! Isn't fucking what's his name from uh, Vox Machina? Isn't he a Goliath? Grog. Yeah, Grog's a Goliath. Yeah. They're like big, some oftentimes characterized as stupid, uh, big, <laughs> stupid, like nature bound uh, fighters. Yeah. They're like smarter orcs and cooler yeah. and with none of the disadvantages in terms of racism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's satyrs. There's this uh, race called Owlin, which are like these big fucking owls. Like, you know, the owl from Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> the owl that. from Winnie the Pooh. It's that. There's one, I can't remember what they're called. The, I think it might be Herringon, and they're big rabbits, mm-hmm. um, which is from the Feywild expansion yeah okay that is what they are uh then there's triton people which are like fishy tritons are cool man tritons are also another really campaign tritons are also a very popular uh min max class or race they have a a long list of benefits and they're just kind of cool to role play as yeah but you can also play like a minotaur people um a shifter which is like a werewolf um a changeling which is like a it kind of exactly what it sounds like, like a, a shapeshifter. Um, goblins, centaurs, all that good stuff. Yep, yep. So I think based on looking at the time, we might want to go ahead and just make it a two-parter. Yeah, so I guess this rep- this yeah. episode was just about races. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, there's a... Jesus Christ, there's a lot to talk about though, right? Yeah, there's, uh, there's so much in this that it's hard to like... Get it in like a bite-sized bit, you know? Yeah. So yeah, hour on races, but it is what... I mean, we talked about a bunch of other things too, but I think the next one then we'll go over classes um, and backgrounds slash backstories, uh, and that'll that'll be like alignment, uh, flaws, quirks, mm-hmm. strengths, weaknesses. Where are they from? What led them to this point? How did they get here? Yeah. Um, when you talk about backgrounds, some examples, acolyte, folk hero, guild, artisan, noble, hermit, outlander. So like, what is their... What is their job? Yeah. What do they do in their day-to-day? What did you do before you decided, decided to go on this adventure? Yeah, decided to become like a full-time murder hobo. What yeah. was your, what was your <laughs> like, what was your, um, your profession before then? Yeah. Uh, and don't worry if you were a child and your response to that question is, well, I didn't really do anything. What did your parents do, motherfucker? Like, yeah. just pick somebody else. And worst or case, you can do urgent. Whatever the 
benefit that you want is because most of them come with like a proficiency. Outlander, bonus. Hermit, yeah, you, you can want. find them. And backgrounds, in my opinion, when we get to them, truly are not that important most of the time, unless your DM is really, really on about using the benefits that come with the background. Yeah, it's most not, of the time it's going to be a happy surprise. Yeah, it's not really going to be a super popular thing. Um, oftentimes, when we when we start talking about backgrounds. Um, backstories, when we talk about alignment, motivations, family, friends, flaws, quirks, all that stuff, it's really only there to help you roleplay the character. Yeah. And they just give you some benefits for having them on the paper. You know, like, it, it helps to know that maybe your background is an entertainer. No, that doesn't mean anything, but, like, you're a bard, you're an entertainer, it's your natural background. You guys need to shack up at a village in the middle of fuck nowhere, and the bartender's like, I'll give you a room if you can put on a good show. Yeah. And Merry Christmas, your entertainer background worked out well, but it would have worked out well anyways because that's who your character is. Yeah, and sometimes you can also do a background of something that like doesn't fit the traditional class. Like I played, um, my character was a was a jester, was like a very much a performer, but she was a sorcerer, so she didn't have like like she wasn't a bard. Um, and the entertainer background helped her kind of like have that ability to do those things without being a bard. Um, so if there's something that you, like a flavor or a personality you want your character to have that doesn't match the class that they are, I think backgrounds are a great way to kind of like... Backgrounds just add that extra layer of like official customization. There's... Yeah. I think the natural progression starts happening with a lot of players once they get their first campaign or two under their belt and that you, you really don't, you don't spend the time to look at your background. You don't really look at your uh, your bonds or your flaws or any of yeah. the shit they have at the whole bottom half of the paper. Those are just to kind of help you get started. Yeah, those are just to give you direction. And so I think what happens with a lot of players, once you've done it a couple of times, you don't even look at those things anymore. You just put it all into the lore and the background and so much, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not that important, but they will help you if it's your first time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um. So, yeah, I think we need to go ahead and just wrap it up then. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to our first uh, two-parter, potentially three-parter, because I guess we'll yeah. have to do a third small one Maybe about how to do the actual character Maybe this is just the new direction shapes. of the podcast. Actually, we're changing the name. This is, uh, instead of Table Talk, this is just character creation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, it's just, it's a big thing. And you don't really have to do more than one episode on world building, right? Cause it's like you, you get your big things out there and outside of me fully walking through the process of creating a world. Yeah. There are not a lot of tips and tricks I can give you. It's just kind of something that comes naturally, right? Like yeah. it's just, it's like writing a story using your imagination. You but make... like character creation is very much yeah. something that you can be walked through. And, and character like... creation requires so much more attention, in my opinion, so much more attention to detail. And it requires, there's a lot more like official step. There are a lot yeah. more official steps to doing character creation because we're in world building it's like it, it, it's all flavor mm-hmm. you get to choose the mechanics and, and you get to it's choose even what happens. it's even less work if you just buy like a book if you yeah. buy a source book because then it's like you have the whole thing laid out for you you just got to put sticky notes on the pages you want to pay attention yeah to. but these but these are it, it's like code it is basically writing the code yeah. for your character but instead of running it through a computer yeah. you're running like it me through as a dm your person. i'm not required to roll any dice or point by to figure out how my world is going to look i don't need to pick a race to mm-hmm. figure out what my world is going to look like yeah you know, like uh, oftentimes the process works kind of in reverse, in my opinion, for a DM. So like I, I came up with the concept for uh, both of the worlds that we've done now, uh, or both of the, I guess, the settings that we've done now, separate from the players. But um, everything that filled up that space outside of just a broad setting, it was directly based on who my players like chose to be, yeah. who they picked. Like I did character creation a little bit today uh, with somebody who will be joining our campaign either this Saturday or next Saturday. We'll see which one. Um, but a lot of the conversation I was having with him wasn't even about what was going on the paper. It was, um, like, okay, this is the idea for the character I have in mind. What race fits best? What class fits best? Yeah. Okay. I've rolled my ability scores. Do we think this person, this character is more smart? Are they stupid? Yes. They need to cast, you know, their casting ability or whatever is this. So we need to just dump a high stat into that. But everything else is like, what makes sense for this character to have? Yeah. And then when we get to their background and we start talking about their backstory, all of my questions are like, okay, so do you, do you think that maybe your family is like a big player in the space? Maybe they own a business. Uh, so do you think maybe that best friend, um, that did you lose them recently or are they like your ride or die? 
Mm-hmm. Maybe they work for like a rival company or they're like the number one superhero. Like, and then that's what becomes my canon for the setting I'm uh, I'm making for them. Yeah. Not everything I did beforehand. You know, yeah. like I got the bones and they put the meat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird it's really kind of reverse cool. process. And it's also been so awesome as a player and also just as someone who like likes D&D and likes world building and stuff to see the way that those build because I think you do that very well. Um, and like melding the characters into the world because it makes you as a player feel fucking awesome when that happens because you feel like you are in a world, not like a generic world that you were just thrown into. You feel like you were in a, you are in a world where you matter and where like you are important and you are needed and necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think that that adds to this feeling of like this fantasy of like when you're looking at like escapism media and you're looking at fantasy media. Part of the appeal is like these people are important. And it's like that whole chosen one trope or like the found family that is like a core group that helps take down a bad guy. Yep. These are important people and they feel important to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, I don't know, it's like that kind of more casual side, I think, of, of the uh, character creation is just, it's, it's a lot more organic as a process. It's, uh, it's very much away from paper. And it's fun. It's fun for me, too, as a DM, um, to come in with a concept and then have you all be the ones to fill up everything in the middle. And then it's it's like, okay, I just finished my conversation today with uh, with, with Ben, uh, one of my friends from high school that's been in another campaign that I've actively been in since around my freshman year of college. He's joining ours, um, our other one that's mostly based with people in, that are living in the house. And, like, immediately after he left, I started writing connections. I was like, okay, like, I've just created all of these new characters. I figured out a new hook for a storyline. I know where he's going to fit in, where we're at currently. And then, like, I just took off from there. And I'm not I'm not writing things like, okay, he's going to come in at this point, and they're all going to side with him, and then they're going to go here and discover this thing. Yeah, because you can't control that. Yeah, I'm very much, like, I'm connecting world events to each other, and I'm connecting characters that they've just created at the table to other characters that somebody created yesterday. So that way, whenever they start playing and they start getting in the world, they feel immersed and not just like they were dropped in a setting that already existed. Yeah. Because depending on your setting and how your characters are in it, right? Like if it's, I have five adventurers, this is the first time they've ever been to Fairhaven. Um, you can do whatever the fuck you want with Fairhaven because they don't have any preconceptions of what Fairhaven is supposed to be. Yeah. They don't have any people there that they care about. They don't have any shops that they're in love with. They don't have any uh, jobs that they love to work. They don't have spells that they learned in the back of a shop at this one place, at this one age. None of that's there. You have free reign to do whatever you want with the setting. But when you're, you're trying to put players in a world where they're supposed to feel already immersed and pre-existing those connections become infinitely more important. Yeah. Because if it's just, if they don't know anything about the setting they're playing in, let alone the characters they're at the table with, and they're all supposed to share the same space for several years. Yeah. You're like, you as a DM look a little fucking silly when they don't know the answers to some really basic ass questions. Yeah. I'll say it was interesting. Is vigilantism okay? Yeah. In our last campaign, when you were talking about Fairhaven, we had three characters at our table who were, who ended up being from Fairhaven. We're from Fairhaven. But three completely different time periods, which is also a way that if you like, I thought was a nice way around of like, we all lived in very different versions of the city. One of the characters lived before it was a city. It was all like pastors and stuff. Mm. Uh, My character was from about uh, 100, 200 years um, previous to uh, the next character who was like part of the like royal family in the city. And and that's kind of a cool way to do it, you know, where it's everything's kind of chopped up in that way. So it's not to say that you can't have characters from the same place that would have no idea like none of my none of my pcs in this one right they don't know each other this is the first time they've met we haven't uh, even met yet yeah they haven't even really met yet i mean madison's character kind of knows like she's a comic book nerd and so she knows a lot about the the players in the space but none of the people right now in the combat encounter that we're about to go into are big enough names for her to know she kind of knows one of them but not for a positive reason yeah not for positive reason yeah Mm, batman-esque character like why are you beating up poor people in my neighborhood yeah, like that. I don't want I don't want people to think that like the takeaway from that is okay. As a DM, I need to make sure that they're all siblings and yeah. make this rich family history. And this is where they went to elementary school and middle and high school. And this is where they went to college and they all studied these subjects. And you remember that one professor that you used to shit on? You don't have to go that goddamn far. No. You just need to know what motivates them, and oftentimes what motivates us as people and what makes our personality are the interactions and the experiences that we've had throughout our lives. Yeah. And so without those experiences, at least pre-written or preconceived, 
it makes it infinitely harder for players to role play, and it makes it even harder for DMs to really give them story driven moments. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my little spiel about character creation and working with your DM and you know connecting the dots. It's pretty fun. Yeah. But I think we're finally for I think the third or fourth goodbye <laughs> going to try and. It's a very here. midwestern. Style. Every one of our endings, except for the one that we had to redo, um, have all been very like. Uh, Bye. Yeah. Oh, and another thing. Oh, mm-hmm. and another thing. Yeah, the Midwest, the Southern goodbye, the trying yeah. to get off the phone with your grandma. You oh, know, for sure. like the goodbye. Oh, but Bye. what about this? Oh, wait, no. Bye. Uh, uh. Oh my God! Or when they follow you to the fucking driveway. <laughs> when they follow you out of the house to the dri- well, I have to walk you to the car. It's like you don't have to because I'm we're going spend to the car to leave. Standing outside the car. Yeah, the I don't think you understand. Half open. I've initiated a task where the end goal of that task is to fucking leave. It's to leave you. It's to get away from you. Okay, you're making it sound like you hate people. No, but like when you say, "Okay, I'm going to leave the house," it means you're leaving the people and the house. Yeah. Why are you following me like a stalker to my car? Sorry, I have an interesting relationship with my family, but I'm a very independent person, especially when it comes to my family. Like, I I have, like, family time, me time, friend time, fiance time. My times often don't intermingle, uh, and that's just, I I like it that way. I like to be very independent and keep everything very separate, Um, and so when when they walk me to the car, I'm like, I'm rolling up the window. I'm, I'm slow opening the car door so that you can see that I'm not trying to ignore you. Now I'm putting my first leg in. Now I'm putting my second leg in. It is a wild I'm experience. I'm shutting the door. Being in the room with him when his family is there is yeah. one of the oddest experiences. We have a very, we have a very like best friends in high school relationship. Like we swear at each other, around each other. We make very interesting and derogatory comments about one another, and it's never crossed the point of like emotionally, verbally, or physically abusive or anything like that. <laughs> Just to clarify, because sometimes, you know, it's, you can't really tell the difference. But with us, truly, it's just we had we got very close, the three or four of us that are fucking left mm-hmm. uh, when I was in high school. And I just I got to a point where I was like, OK, I understand that you all think I'm a child, but I'm basically an adult. Like I'm doing adult things. I have adult trauma. Right. I've lived through just as many traumatic experiences as you have. I, too, am struggling in taking care of myself. Yeah. I don't care if you think I shouldn't say, God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not I'm not gonna withhold that. I'm trying to survive high school, keep my friends from ODing on the weekends, and also make it home in time to eat dinner. Yeah. I don't care what you think about the fact that I swear in front of you. Yeah. Sorry. See, I, I, I can't say curse words in front of my parents. Anyways, I think count number four or five. Uh, Goodbye. Um, see you next yeah, Thursday where we will hit you in. with part two. Yep, talking uh, about creation. Yep, talking all about everything else that I've already mentioned. I'm gonna say goodbye and mean it this time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.